So hello, welcome to another very exciting episode of the Good Listening To Show. Before we get underway with today's episode, delighted to be welcoming the great Peter Lord, or Peter the Great, or Lord Peter. But Peter Lord, one of the original co-founders, one of two co-founders of Ardman Animation here in Bristol. And uh, if you listen to a postscript beyond the outro, uh, Peter and I are also talking about uh, the wonderful Slapstick Festival, and we're talking about Chris Daniels in particular, who's uh, put lots of love, passion and commitment into curating uh, the Slapstick Festival in Bristol over all these years. So he's getting a a well-deserved bit of praise from Peter Lord, but also delighted also to say that the Good Listening To show, this podcast, is also going to be part of the Slapstick Festival, depending on when you're listening to this, um, in February of next year, on February the 19th, when there's going to be a, a magnificent Seven Sunday event. And I'm delighted Um, And thanks to Chris Daniels for taking a punt on making and helping to make uh, the Good Listening To Show into a live theatre event. I'm going to be interviewing Robin Ince live on stage as part of the Magnificent Seven uh, events at the Bristol Old Vic. And that's going to be the 19th of February, as I've mentioned, on a day when Michael Palin is also in the building. And when I first got going with this podcast about two years ago, Michael Palin was very much at the top of my curated list. The day I can speak to Michael Palin We'll all know I've made it. But anyway, um, yes, enjoy this wonderful episode with the wonderfully warm Peter Lord from Ardman Animation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. The storytelling show that features The Clearing, where all good questions come to get asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors. A clearing, a tree, a juicy storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So it's all to play for. So yes, welcome to the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we shall begin. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. And it is indeed perfect. In fact, it's beyond perfect. This is going to be a cracking. You'll see, obviously, what we're doing here uh, today in the Good Listening uh, To Clearing, because I'm delighted to welcome... um, Peter Lord, who is one of the two original founding members of the world famous four times Academy Award winning Ardman Animations, clay animated films and shorts akimbo, all of the classic family stuff that we've all brought our children up on and ourselves, actually, because we obviously need to talk about the wonderful morph as well in um, how you've you've gifted that to my childhood as well. So uh, Peter Lord from Ardman Animations, you are extremely welcome. Thank you. Great pleasure to be here. Wonderful. And can I just compliment you for those that are watching on Facebook? You've got the most majestic and I, yes, the cut of your jib. It's full of your Arvin animation glory in the background. Yes, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not calm and peaceful, is it? It's, it's, but um, that's the way my mind works. So that's how it is. Well, you've been quite a busy bunny for many, many, many years. And bunnies, of course, we've got Curse of the Were-Rabbit in there as well. The centrepiece at the back, I can see, is Morph, who I, I'm really excited to talk There's a lot to. of him, yeah. In fact, there's another one here. Sorry, there's there's always... there's like there's, there's, Actually, can I tell you, there's more than one. I mean, they're actually... Um, 
He's not, <laughs> it's not just a single morph. Um, but when I'm doing Zooms, which are much less interesting than this one, I won't do <laughs> quietly um, make him actually just slightly below camera, obviously. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. it's a testament to how interested and engaging you're finding me, the fact you're not making morphs as we go. <laughs> yeah. So far. It's a yeah. great metaphor. Yes, so far. So I'll, 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 I'll be on my guard. Wonderful. So, yes, you're extremely welcome. I'm delighted and really excited that you're here. And I'm really, really looking forward to curating you through the construct of the Good Listening To show where we've got a clearing, we've got a tree, we've got some alchemy and some gold. We've got a couple of random squirrels, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So it's all to play for. Um, so just a bit, a bit of happy extra smoke at you. You've been given the keys to Bristol. You've been given the freedom of the city circa 2006. Uh, you've also got a gold Blue Peter badge yeah. <laughs> and four Academy Awards. So if you bring an armful of what you have and your wonderful shelf behind you and all your morphs, it's going to be quite a, a happy bit of clutter in the clearing. Yeah. yeah. So um, how's morale? What's your story of the day, first of all? Of the, right now, of the day, it's fine. I mean, I, I wish I could say it's the most fantastic day ever, but... Um... Uh, there are some petty annoyances, to be honest. Um, but as they are such first world problems, I'm not going to trouble anybody else with them. Nothing serious. And you live in Bristol too, which is obviously yep. where the energetic hub and the creative hub of Arban Animations is. Mm -hmm. um, how long have you lived in Bristol for? Most of my life, um, which is to say I was born here. Then my family moved away when I was like nine. And I came back when I was 22 or something. So the, so the vast majority of my life in Bristol. And I know that you met Dave Sproxton, your co-founder of Arban Animations, when you were twelve years old. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd been to um, I'd been to Australia with my family, and when we came back, we left Sydney Harbour in all its glory, and returned to Woking in all its not much glory, and Woking in Surrey. And I was put into a school, and it was all a bit. It's all a bit Dickensian, so it seemed to me. Masters in cloaks and stuff like that. And, um, but uh, I, I was sat down in the only available desk in the room. That was next to Sproxton DA. Um, and <laughs> you know, so that was, it was like the first person I sat down next to and, and um, we're still partners today. Yeah, Isn't that extraordinary? You just bunged into a classroom, sitting, up, sit, sitting next to somebody random called Sproxton, and then the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, by chance, we, we lived in the same town because Woking Grammar School, Woking Grammar School, why am I? Yeah, Woking Grammar School, um, it was based on the Southern Railway. So people travelled up and down by train. So we, we both lived in, um, in suburban Walton on Thames, uh, so, which helped us to get together. And did you happen to like each other? Was one of you fiddling with some plasticine and got the other's attention? How did that work? I, yeah, I mean, we did. Long, we liked each other. Yeah, we were mates um, throughout school. And, and it's funny because we're very different. We still are very different. You know, temperamentally and um, enthusiasms are quite different in in all areas except this one animation and where we where we joined. And that was just. Um, it was a hobby for a, a, a dreary afternoon, really. We weren't, I, I was never like totally fixated on animation. I never thought this is def this is what I want to do. Uh, no, that, that, I never went through that stage. Um, um, we were doing it before I really wanted to do it. And, and it was, and then, oh, that's fun. Oh, that's, that's interesting. And then briefly, we're at school. We are um, 16, probably, when we started doing it. 
And so briefly, oh, that's what, oh, that's what old Pete and Dave do. They, they, they're the strange ones who do this strange thing that nobody else in school would be doing. Uh, and that's nice that, you know, I think in life, isn't it? When you, you when you find your thing, it's yes. helpful. It's, it's satisfying. It's important. But on a, a banal level, it's helpful because you can sort of define yourself. Oh, yeah, the guys, the guys who make animated films. And having found that, we didn't, we didn't want to let it go. How wonderful. And then from that point, all has grown since. Yes, yes, everything, the whole thing. Yes, from, from a, as I say, from a hobby, a hobby that, that just grew. And, and I'm always, you know, now, people are inclined to say, you know, did you ever expect this, Pete, when you started out? And, of course, the, the answer is absolutely not. I can't remember what we did expect. Um, uh, but not, not a big fancy studio with hundreds of people working it. Not that yes. at all, no. Um, so that, but then again, I'm not quite so not quite so ingenuous as to suggest it all happened by chance. It wasn't chance, but it, it was a series of decisions, a series of, I always think, good decisions, good timing, good luck, hard work, uh, and that lot so came together in a, in a, and, fell in, and fell into our laps very, very happily. And we'll talk obviously a bit later about how it expanded because I know we've got to introduce Nick Park and Richard Starzak into the equation as well in yeah, terms of yeah, the, yeah. the sort of uh, the, the four of you that I think have been most famously the centerpieces within Ardman. Yes, 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 yes. They're they're definitely on my on my uh, list. Yeah. And not many people may know this, and I'm not trying to be Michael Caine. Not a lot of people know this, but Ardman was a slightly hapless superhero originally, wasn't he? Yes, it's very. I wish I haven't. No, I can't show you. Oh. Actually, hang on. I like this. You're going to find him. Yeah, this is this is this is this is actually, to be honest, to, this is a, a silly caricature of me. Yes. By, yeah, okay. But the costume is Ardman, and uh, so Ardman was a hapless superhero um, who, who had utterly, utterly non-super events, and it was drawn animation. It wasn't a puppet like this at all. It was drawn. And, you know, that was our first character. He didn't behave like a superhero. He had nothing to do with aardvarks at all. It was just when we were 17 or 16, we thought it was a funny, a funny name. <laughs> we thought aardvark was, a, aardvark was a funny word. So we put aardvark and Superman together and um, came up with aardman. And then we sold a, a film to the BBC for I think like 25 quid back, you know, back in prehistory. And they wanted to send us a check, which is how it used to be done. And then, who, should we, who should we make the check out to? And we chose then the name Artman, which is stuck. And I, I love that. I love the fact that it, it, it doesn't mean anything except, except um, you know, teenage, teenage silliness, really. And, and but now, when you see it on the big screen at the start of a movie, the big red large man and the, and the big star, I think, oh, that looks pretty powerful. Also, I really do see sincerely what you did there, because if you're going to go into the dictionary of the A to Z of animation and you've got two A's in there with Aardman, <laughs> you're, well. <laughs> you're at the core of everything, which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, well yeah. thought through. And by yeah. the way, you mentioning that the film icon of Aardman appearing, there have been so many pleasurable hours spent in the cinema watching the great, great stuff that you've curated. Uh, Chicken Run is one of my absolute favourites. My son Stan thinks I, I look like Ginger when I'm in a beanie. So there you go. <laughs> That's good. That's <laughs> good. Being slightly chinless, I think. 
no, I, 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 mean, I love I love Chicken Run too. I'm very very proud of Chicken Run. Yeah, of course you are, and and you're obviously director, producing, writing, and you're at the core of all the films. But that's one that you absolutely did the trio with, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Yes, that's right. Right, right in the middle of that, me and Nick Park, who you've mentioned. Of course. Uh, we were, so we were we were a partnership, and we um, and we had the writer as well. Small a small team, but yes, um, that that directing thing, uh, which is which in animation is a strange old job. It's a terribly important job, yes. uh, essential job. But um, it's you. It's like you don't get to do anything as such, except to answer questions all the time and make choices all the time. Uh, but other people do all do all the doing. Other people make the puppets, you know, design yes. the puppets, animate the puppets, and you just say. Yes, no, bigger, bluer, do it again. Yes. And by the way, what is so wonderful about the expansion of the empire of Ardman is you'd think that most, most people in life, if you spent your entire long days in a garage set up playing with plasticine, you'd probably spend most of your life in the garage playing with plasticine because that's what you're doing. But actually yeah. what's so exciting is an entire wonderful empire of animation has started. Yeah. And in... In researching you, I loved a quote that I saw in a wonderful film uh, just yesterday, where you have described, but you know, as an animator, you are a god. You make the world, you populate it, you bring it to life. Mm. I, I absolutely love that quote. Would you like to say a little bit more about that? Yes, it's such a powerful thing. It, it's when you think about it, it's really, it's really obvious because animation is, is the word animation. I think means pretty well giving life or even giving a soul even I think and um yes so that's what you do and that's what that's what we do now on a very grand level but honestly a, a you know a five-year-old can do it or a, yeah a child can do it uh, and with plasticine particularly it's a kind of a magical material so like morph is a little man with with two legs and therefore actually quite difficult to animate. But a lump of clay moving around, having a person having a personality, your lump of clay, you put your toys in the background, you know, and, and you make that world. And, and it, it wow, wow. I mean, so it's so amazing. Like you could argue in the same terms, yes, anyone that any child that does a drawing of a pirate on, on a piece of paper, they're making a world. Indeed, they are. But with animation, you bring it to life. It's extraordinary. And and it's quite, and I always maintain for the, for for children out there that it is easy. You know, it's the way we do it isn't easy. We've we've made it very complicated, very complicated, <laughs> elaborate. But but fundamentally, it's easy, and which is why how we got into it. And Morph is so delightfully silly and delightfully simple as the sort of mm. lovely comedy sidekick to Tony Hart, Vision on. I mean, it, honestly, it's such a part of the fabric of my childhood, and oh. I, I'm. I'm genuinely ex you know, so excited to have you here, the founder, you know, the, the creator of Morph. Yes, yes, I, yes. I mean, he's he, he's had the huge advantage as a character of evolving over, you know, gosh, forty six years or something. You know, you know <laughs> that's, that's quite. He's pretty evolved, um, and and just because I always say when you. When you create a character from scratch, it's very hard to get going. You know, uh, it's very hard to get any head head of steam. Um, and Morph's first episodes are terrible, absolutely terrible, you know, <laughs> really, really, really embarrassing. But 
gradually by, by doing more and more of him his performance got better uh and then his character evolved you could see who he was you could see who he was through what he did you know the, and then you get to the stage which i'm sure you've you'll know this and you've um when you, once you have created the character you get to a stage where you can say what would morph do like as if he, as yeah. if he was real as if he, well, he kind of is real you know you don't have to you don't have to think mm, what shall i make morph do Instead, you you literally ask what would Morph do, and then take it from there. I mean, he's obviously an everyman character, so everybody finds it relatable because we've all been in slightly strange situations where he makes the choices that he makes. Yes, it's yes. simple and it's brilliant. Yes, and also he's he's very flawed. I think I, I do think that, and the, but but that interests me and charms me and amuses me. Like he's like he's vain, you know. He, he thinks he's he thinks he's all that. He's, 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 and he thinks he's better than everybody else around him pretty well. Um, but but he's artistic um, um, and he, he, he takes he takes risks and sometimes he's kind of vulnerable as well. His, his alter ego, Chaz, is, is um, slightly dominating sometimes. And they spend their time playing tricks on each other, which is a, a classic, um, like, like brothers. I always think they're like, like brothers or siblings, let's say. And uh, uh, what would Morph do? I'd just like to congratulate you for that statement. What would Morph do? <laughs> yeah. So, Peter, let's get you going on the curated journey of the Good Listening To show. So, first of all, um, yeah. what is a clearing like for you, literally or metaphorically? Where does Peter Lord go to get inspirational and able to think? Yes, that's the, uh, that was that question which you posed to me before. I thought, oh, that's, that's a tricky one. And I think the because literally a literal clearing would be a very a very pleasant place indeed i would be very happy in a literal clearing in a forest um and i think of um not very not very far from here there's a a deer park near near barclay and there and there you're discouraged you're discouraged from walking amongst the deer but you can sort of uh, but you can get a sense of being in nature with wild animals around i, I love that but Metaphorically, like a place to be creative, uh, it really is. Um, it's a it's a black book for me. And here is here is such a black book, which I happen to have here. Just a it's a drawing book. It's a drawing book. But you know, but all the but all the ideas and the and the half ideas and the the abandoned ideas and the and occasionally the the meeting notes and and um, you know you know the, the plumber's phone number. It is all in there. But I, I just found in practice, I found that drawing is a great way of thinking. That's what that's what I found. Thinking and, creatively. You know, and, um, you can sit down without an idea in your head and start drawing, and then oh gosh, something it something emerges. So it sounds like a combination of the two being in a sort of forest clearing with deer not too far away, but a black book in your yeah. lap as well is the perfect clearing. That would be absolutely sublime, yes. Yeah. Wonderful. And you must have accrued quite a few black books over your time. Loads of them. Loads of them. And yeah. I love the fact the one you've just shown up, which is your current black book of choice, um, yeah. is nearly full too, it would seem. So <laughs> yes, yes, yes. They fill up. Yes, they do fill up. And I, I, they're terribly interesting. As, as his, you know, at the time, they serve a purpose. And now afterwards, they're as, they're as close as I get to a diary. I've, yes. I've never kept a diary. Uh, which I sort of re regret, but too late now. Um, 
but they are linked though. So you so you can you can trawl back in memory and, and discover projects you, you completely forgot about them. So where do you put the black books once you've finished with them? I'm not, I'm not going to come and steal them from you. But... <laughs> well, I've got like half a dozen here, yeah. and then another half dozen at home, and then another half dozen um, has been take, seized seized by the studio archivist, um, who is a lovely fellow, uh, and I hope he's looking after them. That's all I can say. <laughs> and you've just given us a clue that I thought that was your home office, but that's not. This is your no, album. This is my, this is my album office, yeah. Aha. Wonderful. So if I may, then we're in a clearing then yeah. uh, in the forest with a black book. We've got the, 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 the beautiful combination. Mm-hmm. I'm now going to arrive a bit sort of waiting for Godot-esque and existentially with a tree in your clearing. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. And this is where you've been kind enough, uh, Peter Lord, um, founder of Arman Animations, to have thought about four things that have shaped you, three things that inspire you, two things that never fail to grab your attention and borrow from the film up that I'm sorry to say you didn't produce. Nope. <laughs> Uh, squirrels, uh, you know, what never fails to grab your attention, irrespective of what else is going on. And then a quirky or unusual fact about you. So over to you to interpret okay. the canopy. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So, okay, so I'm there with apples raining down. And by the way, I do love uh, an orchard in this time of year, you know, when uh, going to a, another happy place is go to a, uh, an orchard where cider apples are. And then later, later drinking some of the cider. So um, you know things that have shaped me. I mean, family, family. I think is well, family is both is easy and obvious, and um, doesn't begin to cover it because it, I'm talking about I'm talking about my parents and my wife and my children. So that's 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 quite a lot. Of, just them, apart from my siblings as well. Um, of course, of course, they shape me. I think, you know, I see it all, all throughout my life. And, you know, the things that my parents did, the way they thought, yes, I've inherited a lot of that. But then the way my children, Tom, Helen and Ian, the the way they live their lives, the things they do. Um, and were your know, parents artists? Was that where it sort of came from or, or not? Sort of, yes. His mum was mum was definitely an artist. Yes, yes. She she did some very lovely drawings actually, and um, uh, and I later became an art teacher, and and I remember playing with plasticine with her quite clearly at the age of ah. four in our house in Bristol. I, I clearly remember sitting at the kitchen table with plasticine. In fact, even more specifically, I remember her taking a block of plasticine and squeezing it into a a loaf, uh, a loaf of bread. And then cutting up with a knife, so you got slices of bread. I thought that was, I thought it was genius at the time. It's, I mean, it stuck in my mind. I was very, very impressed. Well, that was certainly a plant of genius for you because that your mother took that instinct to craft your entire life in that yes, moment. Yes, she, she, she did. She did. She did. And Dad was in the. He was sort of. Um, he was in journalism and stuff like that. So that's um, fairly creative as well. And then, okay, so having spoken very generally about my whole family and all of that implies which is a, which is a lifetime experience um then the other thing i've mentioned it just now my visit my time in australia uh and it just it was very it was a very important time a very good time for me between the ages of nine and twelve and i particularly went to a very good school um which is a, and you know i'm sure people often mention teachers to you i hope they do um and so I had a really good teacher, a really good teacher at the age of 10 and 11, who I believe 
is still alive, although it's a while since we we're in contact. And uh, who are Ken, they? Just give them Ken, a Ken Imerson, he's called. He's called. And uh, and we went I went to a very odd school in Australia. It was bloody odd because there were two things about it which are both weird. One is that it was called a demonstration school, and we did lessons that with the whole audience of student teachers around the room. So we were like on display. And then the other thing, which I feel I'm slightly queasy about mentioning, so forgive me. It was it was called a school for gifted children. Now they they never do that now. I mean it's, it's a rather it's a terrible idea. However, I'm the beneficiary of that terrible idea because because <laughs> because the teacher was great and they had a very, very interesting time. So and and I, I am aware still that the things that he enthused about still kind of stick with me. You know, they can't like um like uh, the poet Ogden Nash and the writer Ray Bradbury and um the mime artist Marcel Marceau. Now, am I a big fan of any of these now? No, no, actually not. But still in the back of my mind, these are those were sort of adult things, things to aspire to. That's very interesting, the Marcel Marceau reference, because the the gift of mime. Uh, with Morph and also Shaun the Sheep and, and you know, the fact that it's silent comedy, which then transcends language barriers. So there's something in the DNA of that in yes, yes. you being inspired, I think. Yes, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, yes, because you know, so much of what we've done is is, a, is mime, effectively, isn't it? Yes, silent, silent comedy. Uh, and I can picture him. I can picture him so well. Him, him uh, the teacher, in the middle of our classroom, demonstrating walking on a tightrope uh, invisibly, you know, and think, uh, a non-real non tightrope. And, you know, that was... So, and it, again, it stuck. And enthusiasm is infectious. And, in fact, if I may, you're still playing that forward because you still have a really childlike passion and enthusiasm, you know, in your glee of showing the various morphs that you've shown <laughs> so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. By thank the way, you. is yeah. for an extra million points, no cash attached. Is there a Chaz around as well? There, uh, there is. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Oh, 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 dear, oh, dear. Here he is. Here ah, he is. Uh, here he is. Here he is. Here he is. He's shaking hands. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, there's Chaz. I won't show you his broken leg because because <laughs> there's a thing about plasticine that nobody expects. Is that it? It dries out, and and goes hard as plaster of Paris if you, if you don't look after it. Anyway, so chat is there too. Chassis that there. was a great tangent. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> My where, fault. <laughs> yeah. Where, where were? Oh, yeah. So the other thing that shaped me is I've sort of oh I'll use this as as, as a place to to thank others really. You know, like you've mentioned Nick Park and Richard Starzak, and you're right. Both those two guys joined us early i mean uh, richard was the first person to the third the third member of Ardman back in 81 or something like that 1981 and and nick came in about 1983 or four both you know huge talents and um nick obviously super famous with wallace and gromit and sean the sheep but but sean as he is now was very much the creation of richard so they've been Great, those two. And then I, I could add you, I could tell you a whole list. Another teacher was a guy when I was at Woking Grammar School. He was a um uh, a caricaturist who who actually his work was displayed, was on this view in the Times, I think, as a big, big, big caricature. So oh, 
So it's possible to make money out of art. That's an interesting discovery, you know. And uh, and a bloke called Ivor Wood. And Ivor Wood is the man who who animated the Wombles. I don't know who invented them. He animated the Wombles. He animated the very early Paddington Bear. And he went on to Postman Pat. And he was the he was the first, as far as I remember, the first professional we met. So Dave and I were, I think, probably probably still schoolboys. And we went to his studio in London, and he kindly gave us, you know, some time, half an hour, and a chat and showed us around. And in a way, the learning was there are no secrets, but but you need to know that because otherwise you suspect that you suspect there's some secret that everyone else knows and you don't. Um, and there are no secrets, and that was that was great. So I, I always thank him for that. So that was uh, very liberating. It sort of gave you permission. There's not some sort of yeah. inner sanctum you need to reach. You can just do this then. Yes, just so, just so. Both both emotionally, you know, and and practically. You know. the, um, the Wombles had steel skeletons inside them and furry coats. Um, it took us another, um, another, what, 10 years or more to get around to that ourselves. So we never, but um, the important thing was that the, just seeing the studio, seeing the lights, the camera, the way it was done is the same. I was, I was just two weeks ago in Istanbul, thanks to animation, and I got to visit a little studio in a back street in Istanbul, and it was it was the same thing, but but some, somewhat in reverse. Oh gosh, yes, that that was like going back forty five years or more. They they were doing it the same way, the same simple things. Same, same materials, same camera. You know, well, I love the fact that the language of animation transcends all language barriers because there you are in the back streets of wherever and you're speaking the same language. Yeah, it's lovely. It's really lovely. Yeah, yeah. And so that actually, that, that neatly brings me on then perhaps to the other thing that shaped me. And this is kind of like business-wise rather than person and personality-wise would, um, would be the world of animation, the international world. Uh, and Dave and I have been doing it for on and off for eight or nine years or something. And we made a film that, that was entered for a festival in Zagreb. And the British, British Council kindly paid our fares to go out there. And we went to this animation festival in Zagreb. And um, it was like as if, as if suddenly all the walls fell down and, and you were in the, wow, there's a huge world out there that we had no idea about. Our world was kids animation, BBC, TV, kids animation, yeah, pretty well and exclusively. And suddenly here's films made, art house films, big, challenging, madly creative films, you know, esoteric films, political films, a whole world of stuff that we didn't know about until then. So, so did that inspire you to get into the features world? Is that how that happened? No, that if any, no, if anything, that features was a later idea. I would say, I would say, it didn't, but it, it did encourage, inspired us, encouraged us to make films for an adult audience. You know, in, independent films for an adult audience, which we've done quite a few of um, back in the day, but not for a long time. I confess, and the reason is that now in Britain, there's no money for it. That's the sad truth. It was, in the past, it was heavily encouraged by both the BBC and Channel 4. 
and the Arts Council. And the Arts Council still, you know, do some stuff, but um, but uh, not much, not much anyway. And, and uh, are you going to mention um, Sledgehammer, by the way, because that's one of the other moments that I perceive as being, you don't have to. Well, yeah, okay. I, if I mention Sledgehammer, then that again would be absolutely to credit other people, you know, because... Um, because the big idea came from an American guy called Stephen Johnson mm -hmm. and him and Peter Gabriel together. And Peter Gabriel was a very educated and highly informed animation fan, is that. And Stephen Johnson was a, a, a totally wacko uh, American, <laughs> American hippie, extraordinary fellow. And, um, and he had this idea that we'd make a film, uh, which became a stage hammer, and we'd use technology that you could have used in 1900s rather than, you know, rather than the technology of the 80s when it was made. So it's, it was the most, it was magnificently primitive technology, which is to say that what you see on screen is exactly what you would have seen if you looked through the camera, which is not often the case, especially today in the digital era. Um, you could have made Sledgehammer in a much slicker way, but what people loved was the was that energy and that that extreme handmaidenness, you know. And uh, I remember it very fondly. It was fun to make, and Peter Gabriel was a trooper, absolute trooper. He worked. He he, he was he was literally in front of the camera, you know, almost all the time for six or seven days, you know, full time, long days, long nights. And uh, I also remember that if you know Sledgehammer. It features um, fruit and vegetables and fish and chickens, and the whole studio <laughs> smelt like a bazaar in old, you know, out in old Bombay. Really, it was incredible. All this rotting food everywhere, everywhere. And by the way, I love the parallel universe of you know how Monty Python uh, and I think it was Eric Idle that was particularly close to George Harrison. You then, at a seminal time, met Peter Gabriel. So I don't know whether that meant that he was able to fund you for something next or or whether it was just a funding time for you it, yeah um probably not that as such but it was it was so it's such a useful calling card for us you know and yes. it got us to a different a new audience as well that was a good thing because before that we'd always had this kind of we had the kind of the morph strand of work and then nick came along oh and invented the creature comforts strand of work. Yes. Uh, and then we had another thing with a bit like creature comforts. Anyway, there were different strands and um, Sledgehammer became a new, a new strand for us. And by the way, in terms of how you influence lives around you, I definitely remember my childhood being really profoundly influenced by Morph, Vision On, Tony Hart. Even the yeah. theme tune still evokes it, a yeah. Vision On. Uh, yeah. We won't need to go into song. But then <laughs> later on in my early adult life, um, sledgehammer was suddenly it stopped me in my tracks it sort of yeah. blew me away as has wallace and gromit and 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 yeah, so yeah. and chicken run you know anyway it's all it's all pretty seminal stuff in how you've influenced yeah. I think. it is yeah it is and um again you know without being um, um ingenuous or anything like that it was the timing was so good you know that was we in that time in, in the 80s there were a, a Music, music videos were the big thing, you know, and um, I can't remember, oh, Talking Heads and um, 
I can't remember. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Music videos was a big thing. And uh, we wanted to be get in on the act, you know. Oh, yeah, please. And it was MT MTV, sorry to interrupt you, was MTV, the entity, exactly. wasn't it? Yes. Exactly. And we would have done anything. Mm. If, if if any band had come to us and wanted to commission something, we'd have said yes, because we wanted, <laughs> to, we wanted to be in on the on that world, you know. So what luck. What luck. The first people that approached us was Peter Gabriel and his, and his team with what proved to be this seminal work yes uh, that same year we went out we went to work in in new york for some months which is unusual uh ne never did it again and um and so there we were four limeys in new york you know uh, and we were we were we were nobodies but until you mentioned the sledgehammer and then oh you know so we were celebrities instantly it opened the door with a sledgehammer. See what you did indeed, there. Indeed. So we're it's, still in the canopy of trees. I think it, have, oh, we've yeah. done four shapeages yeah, now, yeah. I think. So now, yes. Inspiration, yes. Yes. Well, uh, then easy easy one for me, folk music. I love I love traditional folk music. I just do. I can't. It's all I, it's all I love. I mean, my, my knowledge of music is embarrassingly thin everywhere else except for that. Uh, and why? I don't know why. I, uh, you know, fairly, fairly untrained voices singing simply, um, you know, not, not often not totally unaccompanied. Um, songs where you hear a voice from the past that just, I don't know, it just gets to me. It gets to me very, and, uh, and if you were to see the, the Lord, um, uh ipod heaven forbid it's just full of stuff that the, the, the lord have, ipod i love that sorry when we have friends around we 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 we, we, have, we we've got a small section of uh, half a dozen albums that, that that aren't you know hard hardcore english english folk uh that you have to play <coughs> so it's, it's a fine it's a fine old collection so and i, I still I, just, I still love it and and your wife shares the same passion, I'm understanding, because you, you wouldn't be able to play it so often. No, indeed, indeed. Luckily, <laughs> that's true. That's true. And, you know, we, we go to the gigs in in Bristol uh, and enjoy them enormously. Really, I just care about them. I like, I, yeah. And when, did, you, uh, did you ever care very much for Vin Garbutt? Because he's one yeah. I have seen. And yes, yes. He's no longer with us. I, I thought, yeah, absolutely. He was, he was terrific, I thought. Yeah, yes. I mean, very extremely funny. Very funny performer, and but also he had some great songs. Yeah, yeah. So I liked him very much. Yeah. So folk, so English folk music or British folk music particularly. Straight, yeah, Ireland and Scotland are okay too. Canada, yeah. Um, Australia, I like I like Australian folk music. I have I have a, a disturbingly large repertoire of songs about sheep shearing, which is of course you do. Okay, specialist in specialist. It's a soundtrack to Sean the Sheep. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah. I won't go there. And so uh then another thing in is comics, comic books. I've 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 always loved comics and um my people will people will know about the Beano, but but younger readers will have no notion of what the Beano was like. Because back in the let's face it, let's face it, in the late 50s early 60s the beano was really um subversive is what it was it was it was it was punk it was it was edgy full of mischievous it was definitely a thing for kids um to de 
to, to define your child world as separate from the adult world. And you know, adults are greedy and venal and incompetent, and children are incredibly destructive, actually, largely <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the good old days. And so I feel very fondly about those. Oh, is it the Beano particularly is the one you're identifying? Because there was the yeah. Dandy alongside it, wasn't I, it? I, Beano, Beano, Dandy, Topper, and Beezer, all of these fine publications. And there was, um, uh, yeah. I think I subscribed to Beano and Topper, so I'm completely there. There we go. There we go. They were great. They were great. Um, same and the artist, the the um, the Dennis the Menace artist, the original one, was fantastic. You know that was that was so great. Uh, so I loved that. And then later I, I came, as I became a teenager, I got into Marvel comics. So th- those... And by the way, these sound like the nuance of storyboarding, because, of course, it's individual um, images. Yes, it's true. It's true, actually. That's good. That is a good point. And, uh, yeah, that must have had an impact, I think. I'm delighted um, if you've never thought about that before. I, I, thought... I never have. But, so, 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 <laughs> so thank you. And I still buy comics occasionally. Uh, and it never works anymore. You know, I can't. I cannot retrieve quite that the, the feeling I had. Although, having said that, there are some very good graphic novels out there, which I occasionally, I occasionally get them. I was very fond of Asterix the Ghoul, but I never oh, liked the films. Interestingly, no, no, me too. I, I like Asterix. You're very right, quite right. And Tintin. Well, because yes. when I was a kid, Tintin, uh, a hardcover comic book was it was only Tintin as far as we knew in, mm. in England. I guess. We didn't, we didn't know what was going on in France where there were thousands of these things and we didn't know about that. So we just had Tantan and Asterix, and that was what we had. Gossini uh, and Uderzo, or whatever. <laughs> and I, I, and uh, at school, actually, we read, we were encouraged to read Asterix in French, which I always rather enjoyed. I mean, I never, I can't speak French now, so it was, it was slow work. But uh, I, and by the way, I grew up in Uganda and a, a Danish friend first showed me an Asterix book hardback yeah. in Danish. That so was complete yeah. uh, to me. <laughs> yeah. There was a there was a comic that I read when I was in Australia and it was called Ranger, I think. And it was it was ex- expensive and glossy and it featured pages from Asterix, but they weren't credited as such. It was called it was called. Britain's never, never, never shall be slaves. It was what it was called. And I can't remember what the characters were called, but not, I think. Asterix and Obelix, but other things. Anyway. That sounds so, like Asterix in Britain, where, of course, the big sort of centrepiece is the fact that the, they realise that it's frustrating to fight the Brits, wasn't it? Because they always stop for a cup of tea at four o'clock. <laughs> or a and, cup of hot water, as it, as yes, it was. And always refused to fight at weekends. So the Romans then got savvy to that and only attacked at tea time and weekends. Yes. In the same vein, anyone that likes... Tintin, I love Tintin. I that mm. And and I ne- I just assumed it was set in England, but of course it mm. was because they're speaking English. And and the two guys, the Thompson twins, had bowler hats, so of course it was in England. And then it was extremely disorientating to find a book where they went to England. Yes, uh, I, I remember just hours going Hergé's Adventures of Tintin. Anyway, we did. Andy Blanc. Forgive me, I'm sidetracking because I've got nothing to do with Armin animations. So no. no. Uh, where we could be, have we done the three inspiring? Oh, now? Number three is, is, is also, it's almost as general as family, but it's true, it's to say nature, because that's where, because nature, you know, being outside, um, physically, the landscape, the, landscape, the birds, the, the animals, where, yes. where possible. I just, it always, that always lifts my spirits enormously. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. And, um, then, oh, well, and then you asked, um, 
you want the structure, which is to, uh, now it's we're on to um, two things oh. that never fail to grab okay. your attention now. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, the, the first one is seasonal <laughs> in the extreme, actually, but um, and will sound weird. Wet walnuts. <laughs> in, in 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 the in the very earlier autumn, you can if you, if you've got a walnut tree, great. If not, but you can buy walnuts where they're still where they're soft, still soft inside. Not the whole, the shell's hard, but not very hard, and the flesh inside is soft. And oh god, they're good. I love them. I love, no one's ever said that before. That's delicious. So the <laughs> thing that never fails to grab Peter Lord animators um, anim you know, your attention is a wet walnut. Yes. I, <laughs> yes. Ah, yes. If I see a, any sign, maybe. Perhaps if you're very lucky, one of those little signs outside somebody's front gate, you know, a cardboard sign, walnuts, you know. By the way, if I may, you, you, you've just triggered a memory, which um, this is going to sound really lateral and random. But when, my, when I was lucky enough to be there at my daughter's birth and mm. she came out, her head looked like a wet walnut. I'm just yeah. letting you know that. Um, anyway, so thank you. You've just, yeah. you've just that. I just needed to share that. Pleasure. A pleasure. <laughs> I'm happy, I'm happy to share that as well. Yes, yes. So that's a particularly apt seasonal reference there, and I'm sure there are other things. And then the other thing, what never fails to grab my attention, and this is perhaps less surprising, is bagpipes. I mean, okay, you know, you say less surprising, but those are two of the most brilliantly lateral <laughs> things: walnuts and bagpipes. <laughs> with, bag with bagpipes, honestly, I, I really like bagpipes. A lot of people really hate them i know that um i i realize this uh and my son ian plays bagpipes he, he wow. but not but not the not the earth-shattering ones not 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 the battle ones but slightly more domestic ones but the but are you talking about yulian pipes because in battle in folk there's there's yulian pipes yeah, isn't yeah, there? yes yes so those are those are irish and he has, he's got yep. a set of those he also has border border pipes from from the english england scots border and he has scottish small pipes but they're all of them relatively less strident they're less strident than the, than the full-on pipes but when i hear the full-on pipes as occasionally you do in life and you said you know what never fails to grab my attention well that does i if i hear that i'll go and track them down if i can if i you know, where where is that coming from now who's yeah, we went to uh, yeah, we went to um, an art gallery somewhere, a Compton Verney Art Gallery, uh, and um, someone was having a Scots wedding. So I, never mind the art; I could hear those damn pipes, and I had to find out where they were coming from and, and, and go and see them. And was it your son that got you into them, or you knew you liked them, and then your son picked them up? And it was the latter. Yeah, 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 yes. I hope I hope I inspired him. We we did have some at a party once at home. And um, you know we have we have it was someone's leaving party leaving the area, and I got in the piper, and, and the piper came into the house, and that was just I mean devastating. I mean, absolutely. yes, <laughs> in, a, in a confined space, a staggering noise. Yeah. As you say, it's an acquired taste, and a, you know I I like pipes too actually and um do you remember that joke which is slightly brutal about musical instruments which is if you if you're on the top of a five-story building and you throw off a set of bagpipes and an accordion simultaneously which instrument hits the ground first yeah. and the punchline is yeah. who cares <laughs> it's the brutal yeah. work version I know, I know, I know, whereas i really like I, I really admire people who can play the accordion well and the bagpipes actually 
me too, me too. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, and but and, and you cannot deny, I mean, wet walnuts odd, but bagpipes definitely <laughs> grabbing for sure. Yeah, that's so brilliantly quirky that it's those two things. Because I think you've you've that's totally unique. No one will ever say that in the clearing again as being the two things that never failed to grab their attention. And now we're up to a quirky or unusual fact about you, uh, Peter. Oh, yeah, you couldn't possibly know. Yeah, this is this is an interesting one, and it's a bit of a cheat, but it's true. But it's, but I can't but I can't remember what's true. Right, I'm going to claim I'm going to claim to be. Um, the first publisher of the young Kazuo Ishiguro, the author of Remains of the Day and, um, and uh, Sleeping Giant and uh, and the Artist of the Floating World and many other fantastic. Oh, no, Kazuo Ishiguro, the Nobel Prize winning author. You know, so and you were the first publisher of his work. Did you say that is my claim? Tell us a bit more about that. It's a bit of a lie, but never mind. <laughs> because I was at school, as I've mentioned, woking. Not not terribly glamorous woking in Surrey. And in as so Dave and I were at school there, and in the year below was Kazuo Ishiguru. And um he entered some poems for a school magazine. Of which I was one of the editorial board. I'm with you, yes. And in that spirit, I think we, we I, I would claim the prize because nobody I, else is going to try and claim like, it. That, exactly. So, that, so I'll, I'll claim that one. I'll claim that. And, and Wineford Remains of the Day is one of the most wonderful films with Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's superb, isn't it? it's superb. He writes, I love his books. They're, I really do. They're extraordinary, extraordinary. And, and you know, they're strange. And on something otherworldly, uh, but they they have a, a great habit of reducing me to tears. So that's a, are you still in touch with him as well? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, not not since there. Not since we were. So you know, maybe he doesn't realise that you published him first. I, know, I, know. <laughs> I must track him down and claim it. Yeah, yeah. I tried. So, yeah. yeah. I so Peter, find the magazine. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, no. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I wish I could find the magazine to prove my my case, but I believe you, and we will believe you. <laughs> we have shaken your tree, Hazar, and yeah. now we stay in the clearing and we move away from the tree. And next, we're going to talk about alchemy and gold as the next storytelling metaphor. So when you're at purpose and in flow, Peter mm. Lord, uh, mm. the founder of Ardman Animations, what are you most happy doing in what you're here to reveal to the world? And I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure this won't be very surprising, but it may be. <laughs> well, well, happiest doing, oh, dear me. Well, In my in my work, which I know is only part of a, only a small part of life, um, it's being with um, with the animators I like as as a group. And I say that because when you're a director, you get a very special relationship with them. Uh, and so, so particularly the ones that I that I have worked with myself intimately closely, um, it's such a lovely relationship. And and I feel so comfortable, and I feel uh, we're on this. We're on the same track, you know, emotionally, mentally. Uh, and you're creating uh, magic together. And I know in the other film I researched about you, how you like to use the word magic mm, to qualify what you do, but yes. but not in a sort of two dimensional way. If you might want to say a bit more about that. Yes, thank you. It is. Yeah, you're right. It's because ma magic. I think that stop motion is magic, um, 
And it's easy to use the word glibly. Oh, it's always magic. No, I mean, like, I, I relate it to stage magic because with stage magic, you see something happening, which you know cannot be true. You know it, but you but you can't deny it. You can see it. You believe it. And um, I think with puppets, like Morph here, you know, that you can watch him on screen and you can know that he's plasticing. You can see the fingerprints. You can you know he's plasticing. Um, you, and you can apprehend as a viewer. So someone's touched, someone's touched him the whole time. You can't see them, but someone's touched him the whole time. Someone's moved him. Someone's brought him to life. You know that. But more importantly, you believe what he's doing. You believe that that's Morph and he's got that problem and he's having that problem with chairs and you know so you so you those two things have, are in your brain at the same time and that, that's why which i what i regard as magic <laughs> and with um with computer animation which i you know cannot but love because there's so many brilliant films out there but i don't think you get magic in the same way because i think with computer animation you'll see the story you'll care about the characters oh yes you will you and you'll you you'll you may well be reduced to tears you'll really care but what is it apart from a story? Apart from the story, it's it's just stuff in the computer. It's not, you know, there's, there's nothing. So you can't, well, I can't apprehend it. I mean, I suppose perhaps a younger audience who've done computer animation, they perhaps might apprehend it in more detail how computer animation works and feel some of the same buzz, maybe. And, and in my own world, it's the idea of, um, I mean, I, I, I like comedy improvisation quite a lot, but also in actor training, it's the idea of the suspension of disbelief, isn't it? Is the sort of Stanislavski yeah. construct. Yes. So the yeah. magic that creates when you suspend your disbelief. Yeah. It's a very clever sentence. Um, not that I just said that, but I mean, the, the, the <laughs> sentence suspending disbelief is, yeah. is a, a, a very common lo- It is lovely. You're quite right. You're quite right. It's lovely. Yes. Yes. You, and that's you, where you, magic is. When you suspend your disbelief, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, and you're 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 drawn in. You're you you know, you can't you sort of can't resist it at the, at the best. The the viewer yes. can't resist what he or she is being shown, and I, I I love that. And yes, I do find so I find so that world that world I work in is magical, is magical, and the people that do it with we're a small community, really, uh, esoteric community, and. and if, if I now say, if I now say animators tend to be nice people, that's a really feeble sort of remark. <laughs> but it's kind of, but it's true, though. It's kind of true. That, what know, I think you all share in common is the dedication to the art and the craft, because it's a real, you've got to be very dedicated. I'm, I've been blown away in visits I've been lucky enough to do to Arben to look at the real profound attention to detail of the yes. sets and the construction yeah. and the commitment to the story. Yes, yes, you're right. You're right. That, that commitment is 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 massive. You know, it's in, it's incredible. And also, perhaps there's some perhaps there's something in the fact that animators are performers, which is what they do, who would never dream of going on stage. Most of them, mm. you know, they 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 are they're content to perform, but it's like it, low on ego. So I find that that's why may why I find them such good company lovely answer to the alchemy and gold and I, I can't move off talking about gold without talking about your blue peter gold badge uh, yes. yes i should have brought that with me shouldn't i <laughs> uh yes and that was no that was something else that was ri- ridiculously pleasing ridiculously pleasing i was invited onto the program i've been on 
five or six times over the years with different presenters, uh, starting in 1981 with Sarah Green. And uh, so I've been on five, six times. And I was invited up to um, Manchester, where they're now recorded. And and, um, and at the end of the, the show, they gave me blue, the gold Blue Peter badge. So it was utterly unexpected, which made it all the better. I was, I was, you know, I was in shock. And by the way, when I was talking to my wife last night about what I'm doing today, she knew because I was very excited even yeah. before we went to Istanbul, actually. She said, ah, yeah. oh, yes, that's my childhood, Blue Peter and Vision On. And the yeah. fact that you created Morph within Vision On and then you got your badge, always yeah. good. Somewhere, when I came back, on the way back on the train back, I had Morph with me and I had the Blue Peter badge and I took some amusing pictures <laughs> for um, to put on Twitter, of, which was like me fighting to get it to get it off him you know like he was claiming I mean, morph has his own twitter it's the amazing morph isn't it yeah, yeah 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 and yeah. i love the fact that you do travel around with morph so i think you're never far away from a morph are you no <laughs> I, I, personally i'm not no there was no it's a funny old thing i carry him around wrapped in bubble wrap uh, uh, sometimes in a little lunchbox sometimes in my pocket and um oh i love that looking for likely opportunities for for a funny image I just love the, the sort of childlike innocence and the, the sort of, um, you know, the Japanese construct of Shoshin, which is a beginner's mindset. It's always to just look at things with fresh eyes. Yeah. I love the fact that you've always got an anchor point of a morph in your pocket or, an, yes. or a morph in your lunchbox, which yeah. goes back to you meeting Dave Sproxton when you were 12. It's all yeah. uh, what goes around comes around. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've done Alchemy and Gold. And now, uh, Peter, I'm going to award you with a cake. Hey. This is the final metaphor where I'm going to not splotch the cake in your face. But first of all, we have to talk about cake. Do you like cake, sir? I do like cake, yes. You'll be happy to hear I like cake, yes. And what's the cake of choice, please? <laughs> the cake of choice, well, it can only be um, the, the family cake, which is which is called brick, because that's what it most closely resembles. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's is that your those, fault or somebody else's? Um, well, Karen makes them, so so blame her. Um, it's... Um, it's one of those fridge cakes. It's one of those fridge cakes where you you grind up digestive biscuits and chocolate and um, sultanas and butter. It's very very healthy, and then you <laughs> and then you squish it all together and you put it in a loaf tin, which is where it's bricked like a beer. It's kind of, so it weighs a ton. It's solid, uh, and then Karen does a very very good job of decorating it with uh, with jelly babies and stuff on the outside so, so that's lovely so you've got a family idiosyncratic cake yeah, i love yeah, that so you're yeah. calling it a brick cake is that a right brick, yeah, yeah. just a brick so, <laughs> so i know you've already got some other sweets on there what did you just say you said jelly beans didn't you yeah yeah je jelly babies jelly babies, jelly babies yeah. sorry so i now need to or jelly morphs i'm thinking now yeah, i need yeah. to introduce a glass a cherry because you're going to put a cherry on the cake now yeah. Yeah. Um, which is uh, the final multi-layered brick cake metaphors of stuff like what's a favourite inspirational quote, Peter, that's always given you sucker and pulled you towards your future? Yeah. Yes. Well, um, well, I'll be absolutely genuine with you. I don't have I don't have one. I do not have one. But funnily enough, I don't have one. Three days ago, I was in the RWA talking to a friend there. Uh, and he came up with... That's um, the Royal West of England Academy, for those of you who don't know that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, uh, what he said, I, I wrote it down because I had to write it down. He said, this is from um, Van Gogh, Vincent Van Gogh. If you hear a voice within you say, I cannot paint, then by all means paint, and that voice will be silenced. 
And he uh, and the guy I was talking to, Paul, paraphrased it as as when you can't paint, paint. And I think that just a I thought it's great. That's, that's, a, that's a good thing. So yeah, that that. Um, otherwise, I don't do inspirational quotes. Uh, uh, I'm aware of saying quite a lot. Look on the bright side. But actually, to be honest, I largely do that to wind up my wife, Karen, because it annoys her so much. Right? And then I said, look. And then the other thing I say a lot, which I think is is not insignificant, is I say have fun. Like when someone's about to do something, my kids particularly, my you know, you know, whatever it is, have fun. You know, I love it? that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just that. So actually, you you've given us the wonderful rich storytelling rule of three. There, you've given us three when you said you didn't have any. <laughs> right, that's good. That's Bless you for that. Um, and now, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I think it's. Um, it, I can't. I can put it into simple words, but I, it's from my father who in his life, in his career, he just, he went with the flow. He, 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 um, he didn't particularly have a plan. He, he followed opportunities and he, he believed, I think he might've said something like, yeah, it's a, it's a good idea to go to university because you'll meet something and something interesting will come of it. You know, like it wasn't, you know, like no, not, go study this because there's a career in it but go to university to follow your passion uh and you'll meet someone and that'll lead to something funny fun, having said which that wasn't what happened in my life because i, I met dave before you 12 yes but, uh, <laughs> but still as an approach to life you know um to careers i mean i know uh, you know the world's changed it's it's hard it's, it's very hard for people to yeah, a bit like tra travel journey and you shall find is sort of what your father was saying sort of like effectively effectively that kind of thing yes and that was because he he was variously he started out as a he started out as trained to be a vicar and, and then he became an actor and then um he became a a salesman for perfumes and then he became a journalist so there was no there was no clear very clear sort of a journey mooning into find out purpose there yeah 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 and um, what notes, help, or advice might you proffer to a younger version of yourself, Peter Lord? I thought about that, and actually, yes, I would. I would definitely say, um, oh, don't be so afraid of things. Actually, you know, like because you know, I try. I no regrets. You're in the regret ring out, but but uh, I wish. Well, why was I such a fool as to? As to reject sport so completely, I just did. I thought I must have thought, oh, I'm not a sporty kid. I can't do it. Which and probably I wasn't a sporty kid. No, I wasn't. But but so I just rejected it and never did it. And I think oh, it's just what was a silly thing to do, you know? Does that it, happen to this day, or have you now got indulged in something no, else? No, it happens to this, to this day. <laughs> this day, yeah. Now, are you tempted by a particular sport? I would. I would love to. I would love to have played cricket. Uh -huh. I would love um, we still here at Ardman have an annual cricket match that I don't, in which I don't participate because, frankly, I wouldn't, I can't, you know, hit, catch or throw. So, so no, no. I if think... I if I was um, at Ardman now, I'd make a point of putting you into bat at number one next match <laughs> just to see what happened. I don't yeah. mean that as a cruel thing. I just mean, you know, if if you say you can't play cricket, then play cricket to borrow your. Yeah, indeed, art. indeed, 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 indeed. And and in the same vein with, with music, I wish I'd, you know. 
I wish I'd learned the instrument. And I still could, I know, but I also know how relatively... Oh, so you don't play the bag... You, you don't play... I know you... No, no, so you, no. you like the bagpipes, but you don't play them. Yeah. You, so must, have had a, you must have had a pop and a squeeze, have you not? <laughs> uh, I, I guess I have, yeah, yes, yes, yes. But, not, but no more than that. <laughs> yeah. So I, get, I think that's kind of, you know, fear, really. You know, I mean... Slightly cowardly thing. Don't, don't do the things which are difficult. It's, it's easiest to just do the things you're already good at. You know, uh, Very, the human condition. Um, <laughs> and finally, then, as you notice in my uh, funky backdrop, we've got uh, William Shakespeare in the tree. So now, oh, finally, yeah. we're going to uh, access a bit of the bard himself, Mr. William yep. Shakespeare, and we're going to talk about legacy and how you'd most like Peter Lord to be remembered. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, uh, well, as a kind person would be, I would like that. And as the as the co-founder of Ardman, because that is a great source of pride, you know. That's, um, and uh, those those two things, I think, those two things. Yeah. In the yeah. film I saw about you yesterday, which is really wonderful, it's a six-minute film, and I'm trying to just remember who it was made by. Just bear with me a second. I did write that down. Domestica Matrios or something. They made a lovely YouTube oh, no, film. Yes, I've forgotten that. I've quite and, forgotten that. Yeah. Because, by the way, at the very end, you did, you said something very similar to what you've just said, which where you very proudly said, yes, well, I think my legacy will be the studio. Mm. Because mm -hmm. it's 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 co-owned by the staff now, isn't it, I'm gathering? Yes, yes. That is, yes, that, was, that makes it even better, doesn't it? It's even better. Yeah, we, yes, for, for 45 years or something, I'd say, oh, I'm the co-owner, meaning me and Dave. Now I'd say I'm the co-owner with, with 500 other people. <laughs> so, and um, yeah, yes, we did, we did that. It's called the employee ownership, and people will know um, John Lewis famously. Yes. Do the same thing. And uh, it was really because... It was because we love the company that we did it and want to keep it as far as possible as is. Uh, and the conventional thing to do, I'm told, the conventional thing to do is, is you, you sell out to uh, some media corporation for, for you know, 50 million quid and then go to the Bahamas. But um, A, that, that, I don't really fancy that. And, but also, most importantly, if you sell out for the best, Maybe maybe you're very careful who you choose, but then they're going to sell out one day. They'll, they'll and then gradually, you, this precious place which I love would just become a an object to be bought and sold, and that would, that would be terrible. So uh, you are so the I, most profoundly uh, wonderful um, curator of what you have created. Yeah. Which is the legacy being your studio, Ardman Animations. Yeah. Fantastic. So. Um, Beautifully curated through the construct. We've got you to the end, apart from, as this has been your... In fact, let's, let's first of all find out where we can find out more about Peter Lord on the Hinterweb, please. So where do we go to find out more about you? It's fairly obvious, but just state your various Twitter feeds and that sort of shablang. Yeah, I mean, um, oh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter, it's, it's uh, at, amazing, at Amazing Morph is a good place. And I'm at Peter Lord, Pete, Pete Lord Ardman, I am. And I mean, gosh, there's loads of YouTube channels. I mean, there's uh, there's there's more more for YouTube. Ah, wonders, ah. wonders there. <laughs> yeah, and and Ardman Animation is obviously world famous because of your 
Yes, lovely. So that's where we can find out more about you. Yes. So um, as this has been your moment in the sunshine of the good listening to clearing uh, Peter Lord, is there anything else you'd like to say? Crikey. I watch. This is Chris really, no, I mean, I mean, no, except, no, honestly, except it's been a huge pleasure. Uh, it's very, it's very interesting, isn't it? You, you encourage me to, to dig out things that I haven't thought about very much. Some I have about work, um, you know, I'm, I'm often discussing that with other people, but uh, personally, not so. Yeah, it's been very, fa- it's been fascinating. So thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And by the way, and sincere thanks to you too. You're very, very uh, wonderfully ap- approachable. When I first was introduced to you by Chris Daniels at the Slapstick Festival, and I'd like to do a bit of a postscript about the Slapstick Festival, if I may, just yep. in, in a moment. But um, when I got in touch with you, you immediately, with quick return of email, went, oh, how intriguing. <laughs> and, and, and I'm really happy that the construct of it hooked you in that way. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to uh, Peter Lord in the Good Listening To show. Thank you very much indeed, and uh, good night. You've been listening to the Good Listening To show here on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. Oh, it's my son. If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from The Clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme, that's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's... At that Chris Grimes. So until next time, from me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio, and from Stan... To your good health. And goodbye. So, uh, Peter Lord, this is a bit of a postscript. Obviously, you're from Ardman Animations. We've just yep. done that wonderful, juicy episode with you of the Good Listening To Show. Um, I was introduced to you by the wonderful entity in Bristol called the Slapstick Festival, Chris Daniels. Uh, that's our connection. I'm going to be involved in the Slapstick Festival myself in February of, of next year. So, uh, yes, um, I know that you've been you've given a home to the Slapstick Festival. So what would you like to say about the Slapstick Festival? I am a huge fan of the Slapstick. I really am. and and Chris Daniels is one of those people that a city really needs, really needs, because by he just has this this passion, this enthusiasm, um, and he's made a thing happen, largely, largely by you know personality and force of will. He's made a thing happen, which gives enormous pleasure to to people. And, you know, it's a great, it's a really great thing, and and I, I'm. So grateful to people like him, you know, like the city needs these things, you know, we need, we need these cultural events uh, and, and slapstick is a, is a great one. You know, uh, I also think Chris has a, you know, he's got a prodigious amount of um, nerve, you know, he, he, get, he goes to everybody and the, the list of, the list of um, substantial, you know, high profile personalities, you know, com- comedians, actors that he's approached and have come to Snapstick is absolutely jaw-dropping. So, uh, yeah, so huge respect. And as I say, apparently he's a tenant of mine, although I'm not, I don't <laughs> he pays any money, I don't know. So he, maybe we could have a little sort of statue of Chris Daniels made and he won't ever replace more if I get that. But <laughs> Wonderful. So, um, Peter, thank you so much. It's been a real, real pleasure. Great. My pleasure, Chris. Tatty bye. <laughs>